Hello and welcome to the Beginner's Handbook. I'm Jordan. I'm Jamie. And in this episode, we're going to talk about rememberable games uh, or how to make your games rememberable, uh, not memorable. Yes. But well, what we'll do is we'll start with just the usual, which is, well, have you ever had a game that, when, if, whether you've taken notes or not, that you've came to, maybe you've had a break or maybe, maybe you've just came to it the following week mm-hmm. and you've just seemed to remember it all, like you've just started playing and everything fell into place whether it was you doing the recap or the GM done it and we'd be interested to hear uh, any of the cases that you've had as a player that that's happened to you yeah and as well as that the other thing that we'd like to know is well how do you normally remember what's went on in previous weeks are you an avid note taker do you not take notes do you have a crazy system of symbols that only you can understand so that no other players can steal your notes and take credit for them? But, you know, whatever it is, there's comments if you're watching this on YouTube or listening to it, and there's different social media channels that will plonk a link somewhere for that you can click and find that out. Yeah, so basically any, t- any tool that you use to keep on top of your current games... Even if you're a GM, it might be useful, though you've probably got a system in place for that. But as a player, mm. for sure, that would be super interesting. Especially because one of our recent episodes was talking about uh, note-taking at yeah. tabletop games. Uh, and if you've watched that or listened to that episode, you'll know I'm not actually a big note-taker. Even in my big campaigns, that's either homebrew or ones that I'm running that are published, like Curse of Strad for D&D. Um, yeah, I don't take a lot of notes. I mean, mm. my notes, I've probably got about two... Well, two sides of A4 at the very most and that's including the big ending that I wrote mm-hmm. um, so I mean literally probably one page of A4 for that whole game and look it went well so just very interested to know about it so with that in mind then what do we mean by rememberable and not memorable it, so this is something that Jamie and I had spoke about a wee bit yeah. just about the idea behind it and why, mm-hmm. why not just use the word memorable but for me, one of the things that recently, and I think I might have touched on this in, in the last episode, or, or at least the episode in um, about note-taking, is there's a lot of games that I've done, just especially because I struggle to get time to, to mm-hmm. recap and study games. Uh, I think, and like I mentioned Curse of Strad, in about the year and a half I've played it, I stopped having time for prep, about probably about six months to a year in. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, everything's busy and I'm doing so many games a week. But what I found was I didn't need to sit and study other than maybe look at the next area the, the guys were going to do I didn't need to look back at notes and things that players had done it all just seemed to stick and it was the same for my players the exception would be if there was maybe a, a specific detail of an item they picked up or, mm-hmm. or a clue um, from months prior that's the exception but generally the broad strokes players did remember what they were doing so when we say rememberable specifically we're talking about actually how is it you make things stick in people's brains, um, or at least how is it that I feel like it works or that we think it mm-hmm. works. Um, I don't think it's an exact science. I think it's yeah. going to be different for everybody. It depends on the games you do and the complexity of them. Uh, and also just depends on your players. If they're super invested in your games, then they're probably going to remember it anyway. But mm-hmm. uh, like certainly the, the dwarf games and stuff that we do... Um, I mean, I've maybe not done it so much, but I know other, other players, they might be chatting to the GM about things like, oh, this, I could love to do this for my cat. So they, they're like bought into it and they're, it's in their brain more often. Mm-hmm. For me, normally a game's done and it's yeah. finished. And I don't t- look at it again until I'm running it. Um, so that, anyway, that's exactly what we mean by rememberable games. Yeah, yeah. And again, earlier on, just before we kind of sat down and hit record, the way that you said it kind of sunk or sorry, meshed kind of well with the way that I was thinking about it, which is that if something's memorable, it's one or two key events that jump out from the rest of the game. Everything else is a kind of murky detail, but it will tend to be something that was really funny, really good, really, you know, surprising or whatever, whereas something that's rememberable, that's when even the detail is getting picked out from it. Yeah, that that's you know that's a good point because I said earlier about Strad and yeah. generally players knew what was going on. There was an mm-hmm. exception with small details or things from a long time ago, um, and they did take notes. But I looked at one of the notes or they were reading their notes and I could see on their screen <laughs> that it was like literally a page worth, and it was 
I think there was stuff early on. You could see they had a chunk of notes at the beginning, mm-hmm. and there was nothing until someone died, and then there was nothing again. And it was like so they were only took notes at these big key events, but it was mm-hmm. the stuff in between, stuff about the Mad Maids and, and all sorts, and yeah, a whole crystal. bunch of things. Yeah, it yeah. Was, they brought it back, and there's a lot of stuff that's not even in the um, the Cursor Strand game that we introduced to that mm-hmm. game. Um, there's a bunch of stuff I put in because I thought it'd be fun, and. You know, and so what I mean by that is there isn't even prompts for that in the campaign for me yeah. to remember that stuff, but it's stuff that I remembered as a GM, as someone that doesn't spend tons of time prepping. I spoke to a GM recently that they've been struggling with prep and they were asking me about it. I said, "Have you ever tried running games with no prep?" And it was like, "Come on, are you serious?" But I said, "Well, what do just try it with one shots and maybe turn it into two or three shots and see how you get on because." Then I, th- it'll be, I think it's a muscle, number one. For mm. a GM, it's a muscle. It's very different for, for GMs and players, in my opinion. But um, at least for players, you're getting to live the experience, and I think that's how it can stick in people's heads more. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that in mind, then, so including the details, it's remembering the game, maybe key events, but also the details and some of the, the stuff that lies behind that. Yeah. Maybe the overarching stuff that's happening and how some of their choices might have affected bigger things at, at play in a game uh, and having players remember that over a long period of time or after a long period of rest between games. Um, that's that's the core of what it is. And there's a mm-hmm. few things that... I, I, I think I can talk on about it. Whether or not it's useful for yourselves or practical is a whole different thing. Um, yeah. Actually, I'd be interested to hear some of your thoughts and some of the nonsense I'm about to say as well, because maybe the next set of games you'll do. I don't know how much prep you do, actually, but there's maybe stuff that you could try from what I've got, and then you can go yeah. that absolute dog water. So. Yeah, well, it'll be kind of interesting, because I've mentioned in episodes before, normally when I'm preparing something always find myself falling in the trap of getting bogged down in detail like really really stupid and pointless things like get a map for everyone what about music what about you know it's it's all the stuff that realistically doesn't make a difference mm-hmm. that's the stuff I always fall in the trap with so it will be interesting well, that later is on hearing you talk yeah. about it and if there's anything there that I recognise as kind of starting to go down that path but then falling off it into something else so that'll be interesting for me But it's off topic but see the maps and stuff is that something where do you find all that other like when do you prepare some of that stuff is that something you do during your prep stage and stuff or like during the earlier stages of your prep I mean for a game or yeah so kind of broad concept rough idea of events then I try and get stuff so that when each of those events happens, there's something there. And if I can't find it, then I'll maybe re, you know, bin an event and change it to something else to then get a map or something to suit. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Um, I think I'll maybe tie into this later on, but I'm, I don't do that at all. I pretty much maps are my last thing that I do. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if I get, and if I don't get one, I don't care. Um, that's pretty much it. The exception mm-hmm. being maybe published games like we tried Strange yeah. Aeons and yeah, stuff yeah. Um, which is very map heavy f- for those who don't don't know you could do it kind of theatre of the mind which had even Strad most of that was theatre of the mind mm-hmm. even though there's massive dungeons in it but um, I just yeah anyway it's interesting either that or I use a map as an influence for an event and then I use it and so I've already got it I'm not mm-hmm. spending time looking for it it's just, it's just interesting because everybody yeah. does it different um, but okay cool so alright I think we'll start with the first little thing that I think probably is a way to try and make a, a game kind of re- like easy to remember. And that would be, I think this is generally the case for a game or a, an event in a game or a side quest in a game that you do. One shots are good examples of things that require these. Um, and that's a good game hook or some form of hook to get players in, into the idea of doing whatever you've asked them to do. Um, for one shots, if it's uh, now not all hooks are great. You don't need even need a really good hook to make your game memorable. Because <clears throat> for the most part, what people are going to remember is the stuff that happens during the game. Why they done it is maybe not so important, like <clears throat> in retrospect, but certainly to get them involved, it's important. And that's a good game hook, basically. 
good hooks would be something to the effect of, well, I'm saying good, a hook could be something to the effect of, like, in Chariot of the Gods, the alien um, cinematic scenarios, you're going to detect a, or investigate an emergency signal, um, a distress signal, emergency mm-hmm. distress signal, so you have to go and do it. So that's the motivation for going there. It's not a good motivation because you kind of force people to do it, but it's still a motivation, a reason to go there. And certainly the players have ran that for and had breaks in between. You know, they've went, Aye, we, we checked out a distress signal and then we did that. And then they started explaining the whole game. You're like, oh my God, these guys remembered everything that happened. And I didn't at the time. I was more surprised at that. Um, and I did corroborate it with some notes I did take during the night. So I think the first one's a good game hook. Um, that's the first. That, that's like the initial bullet point or the flag or the, the milestone for the start of that mm-hmm. adventure or scenario. One shots, like I said, good examples. Chariot of the Gods isn't a one shot, but Cthulhu has a lot of good ones, uh, good examples. Um, the the Grindhouse collection. I've spoke about this before. There's one in that called the Hoodlums. It starts off with one of the. Oh no! Did you play Hoodlums? No. That's okay, so that's fine. I don't even know if we're going to play it, we've got so much going on. Uh, Hoodlums, anyway, it's actually a, an additional adventure in the Grindhouse collection. Um, it's a pre-gen, and this is why I suggest trying pre-gen, um, sorry, um, one-shots, yeah. because they usually have this formula done down quite well. But um, Hoodlums, it starts off, a g- group of D&D players, um, or at least a group of young teens who play D&D but they're out to get high and smashed uh, inside a dodgy abandoned rail I think it's like an abandoned railway or something like that I can't remember but the game starts with a pal being nicked like disappeared abducted you hear him screaming he's gone and you investigate it and there's blood everywhere it's very violent it's a big start and players go oh crap we need to go get our pal so that's a, that's, that's like a good example of a very quick and simple hook to get people into it it helps if you dash a wee bit of, I pretended for one of the other guys I ran that for, that mm-hmm. that was supposed to be his player, and I said I was going to play his character, and then he get killed off, and went, oh crap, that's one of the PCs dead, and I'm just like... But, so that's an example. Mm-hmm. Um, any, have you got anything to, about that you'd like to add? Or? No, I mean, I think it's kind of pretty, it's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, ultimately, when you're sitting there with your players, you you've got to create that itch so that they can go and scratch it have you ever had the game that that didn't happen where the itch wasn't there I have but I don't yes example yeah. I do like it I've got plenty <laughs> of examples that aren't the games we've played um, but I, I can't think of anything like specifically but just like, like just taking the, the alien game for it, for example it's a bit it's a bit of Trash the alien game. Yeah, well, with with that, it didn't happen in that. Yeah. But because of the forced element, and you go right. So we're turning up to a ship that's got a distress signal. We're specifically playing a game based on alien. Hmm. Wonder what's going to happen. Hmm. Death, mayhem. Hmm. Do you know? What? Let's just give it a wide <laughs> berth. You, there's there's the overthinking part. So it didn't happen because you know it, for that game we wanted to go in it and see well to be fair your agenda said, your agenda told you what was going on a yeah, bit, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, most people so. don't oh for those who have played you know, played it you get agendas and mm-hmm. so but no totally for sure there, there's games that I've played to give you an example of not having a hook yeah, I remember there's a GM that we've been running with but we've kind of put a hiatus on mm-hmm. it for now um, but the, the, playing the games I mean the hiatus mm-hmm. but there was one where this guy was running a long-form campaign and to my absolute dread, he said it was going to be planned two years' worth. And I'm like, oh, God, I've got so many games I do not have time for two years. If it happens, it happens, but I'm, I'm not going to say yes to, to It's different if it's organic. But um, so, but what I, and just what prompted someone to ask was we kept just ended up doing stuff and it felt like we just floated around. There was nothing really happening in that game. We probably had games like that. Mm-hmm. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but um, whether it was probably it was probably me that ran them, that's why I don't remember it. But um, yeah, so there was this guy who just the, the GM, and there, there was no real motivation. Week by week, I struggle to remember, unless it's mm-hmm. like really something like I'm invested in. I'm I'm going to struggle to remember it yeah. if I'm playing someone else's game, and that's just because I just do so many. The, weirdly the exceptional with like some of the last few dwarf games or 
some of the like there was games that mm-hmm. I was reiterating stuff when we revisited the dwarf game right before we finished it again. I was hitting with details that even the GM forgot, and I was like, I can't believe I think I said that. I can't believe I remember that. Um, with that one, just throwing that out, is that because there was a, a pause and a break, or is that because there the was, way the story went just clicked a bit better with you? I don't know exactly, but I think I think because especially the hook, because I think we're going to investigate the. I think we're going to check out like the the treasure that we got mm-hmm. or the special items. I think I think because there was a break, and it was quite a long. It was a decent one because I'd decent. mentioned about cycling games out, mm-hmm. and we've spoke about cycling. I think you know we've not. I don't think, but we we tried out different games. We had a wee hiatus from the main campaign and did mm-hmm. a bunch of games. And I said that would be good to keep going because I mean. I get a bit fatigued with D and D because I'm not that into the, some of the way it dis- the system is. I don't dislike it. I just I play so much of it. You know, it's just a bit kind of repetitive now, just because I've done it so much. Familiarity, so fatigue. Yeah, and but, but but this is a weird thing. It's even though we had a big break and a whole bunch of different games. I'd ran two different games. I think during that time we tried one of your games. I think mm-hmm. unless it was a time before, yeah. but there was a whole bunch of stuff. We came back to this dwarf game. I think part of it was mm-hmm. we, the, the hook was very, very clear what we were going to do next, and especially when we started, big motivation to go in, and then actually more stuff revealed it. It just became super clear, and honestly, with those games that the, the GM runs, I can't believe there's something the way he's running it that, that sticks with me, and I think a big mm-hmm. part of it is clear hooks. Um, so, but in the case where there's not, I struggle to remember on a mm-hmm. week by week basis, not even a, like a long break. And certainly what happened with this guy's game, I found that, this is the other GM I'm talking about now, where we found out we were kind of shoehorned into following a family to do stuff for people we didn't like and didn't like us and tried to kill us. And then we're going, well, why do we even care what they're talking about? And we weren't even going there. We just get kind of railroaded there. Mm-hmm. And then I, a lot of the players, I think, reflected this, at least reading between the lines, where we didn't really want to keep going. I was like, let's just do it. Because I'm thinking, as a GM, I'm just like, who cares? Just like, let's just play the game. Like, who cares? Let's not argue with the guy. Let's let, let him have his... GM wants to have fun mm-hmm. too, you know? So we did the stuff and all that. And so I said, we could kill him later. And that became a decent enough hook to remember why we were even doing it in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so I found it not having a clear hook in mind to start us off on that loop of games that we were doing. Mm-hmm. I just didn't... I wasn't, I wasn't bought in. And then that also meant I didn't really remember it because I wasn't interested. Yeah. So a hook's really important, mm-hmm. I would say. I think that's that's like the key first thing. And hooks... I, actually, I'll come to that later. But hook, so hooks are really important, I think is probably what I would say. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree because, I mean, excluding whatever the players are doing, mm-hmm. then every single one of them is relying on that for... You know how their characters gonna progress forward and do whatever they're doing, so it is going to be the most important thing. Um, and again, a wee kind of side shoot just as a GM to watch out for, just watch out if your players are really clicking with a character because if they're playing somebody that they're not particularly interested in, mm-hmm. then they're either gonna be making decisions that are potentially erratic which is then going to derail from what you're trying to do and then you know it just kind of has knock-on effects and things plus as well if they're sitting if it's a new class that they're trying out or whatever and there's a lot of kind of reading to understand the mechanics of it then it means that they're not engaging with the story which then means that they're starting to forget things which then means that they're not again clicking and engaged and then it just kind of snowballs so keep a wee eye out on players see if they're if you think they're gelling with a character as well would be the other thing but it's it's a small small thing yeah I think it's it's worth mentioning though Um, but yeah so I think then that's like the first point I I think for me that's like step one to trying to make a game Mm -hmm. like easy to remember but I think the next thing for me really would be, so I, I talk about this a lot when designing games generally, because I come from a game design background as well, so I, I've been involved in the game design background. But 
I also do this a lot with my own games because I I always encourage uh, my players that I have and probably most weekends that I, I want them to try running games because people like I just we restarted my my main big campaign that's going on almost two years now, um but we restarted that recently. But even after only two or three weeks, when you know, I said to one of the guys, "Do you fancy trying one of your games?" It just, mm-hmm. just, I didn't want to stop the game, but we got to a good stopping point, and I thought, "Well, it's only been a couple of weeks. It didn't, it wasn't the stopping point I wanted, but or was expecting to get to, but it's a good stopping point." So mm-hmm. I thought, "This is a good time," and I knew he had something ready to go. He's wanting to try out using Morkborg for something, a different system, or sorry, a different theme. So. Uh, for, so I, this is in my mind so you'll hear this a lot with boxes but for me one of the next big things is that think of like in your game so you've got a hook you've got a story idea so what's next and for me the bit that's next is uh, blocking out the sequences that will happen in that and probably the best way to block out your sequences is to have one or a couple per event that you're going to have in your game I always think in events first almost like a timeline and then I look at where the sequences or what the sequences mm. each one's going to be what it might involve and a plan B usually a plan B is not fleshed out or there might not be one at all and I just rely on my, my improvisation muscle to, to pick up the slack but staring at a blank box and panic I had a game where I had my notes and I pretended I was reading notes to the guys It was I think when we kicked off that long campaign I pretended I had mm. my notes and I was like to refer to my notes uh, and they're going I can't believe you get notes for everything Jordan I was like there you go have a look and it was like because um, I went to the loo and somebody was like going to look and see what's happening next. They were joking. I was like, "You can have a look," and I showed them. There was nothing on the paper. They're like, "What the hell?" Not as if it was like a pure genius story or anything. They just mm-hmm. were like, "Jesus, man, what are you doing?" But blocking out your sequences and having them done in a way that you could almost have them like their own separate little encounters within mm-hmm. your game. Uh, that's definitely something to do. This isn't something just to do in a story where you block them out. Like you've got Act One, Two, and Three in a lot of stories. Yeah. Um. But I'm actually talking about going further than that, and you're blocking out your events to have a few different things that will happen. You don't need to write thousands of words for it. Just just a few bullet points. What's the headers of that event? Because uh, the events are like the headers for your campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally, you would split your events under whatever act they fall under. Mm-hmm. My campaign was discovering was a threat, and the various things that came with that was Act One. A few key events there: a secret mm-hmm. body appears, there's someone interrupted, there was a town that was destroyed, uh, fight a mini boss. That that kind of was it. Act Two was trying to locate the body and find oh find out what's going on and locate the source. And there's a few events in there, so that was the events mm-hmm. that thing that I, I blocked that into Act Two. Act Three's dealing with the baddies, and um, all of that was just all an A to Z sequence almost of what yeah. was happening. But I then put them in boxes that I could then say, we "Finish Act One. It's got a clear ending. Cool. We can take a break. Act mm-hmm. Two, same thing. Act Three, yeah. we're done. No more act." Yeah. Um. But so that's fine. That's the mentality I've got with games, just to try and describe what I mean by blocking out your sequences. But I'm talking about that on a game-by-game basis, so I'm coming... Well, I shouldn't say that in case it's spoilers, in case... Oh, no, they're not going to be there. It's going to be way before... They'll be finished. They'll either be dead or they'll be past it, wait, if they ever see it. But, so the guys are about... a great way to start a sentence. They'll either be dead. Yeah. So the next thing the guys are going to do... I mean, this is part of... They're still not done this big sequence because the last game they had, they all had sex in it. That was it. There was no combat sequences at all. But this one, they're going to a village to try and find a, a big clue for the big evil baddie in the game. There's a big clue there, and that's all they know. And they're going there, so that's the event. At the end of that, it's going to be cool to find the thing, and they find the clue, they know where to go next. And But my, the, how I'm blocking that out is you've got a sequence at the start of that that's getting into the town. The second part sequence is actually getting drugged and put to sleep and stuff it's all very Lovecraft if you know mm-hmm. the shadow over Rin's mouth part three is awakening up in the in their prison cells discovering there's an evil cult you know sequence four is actually dealing with it and trying mm-hmm. to survive so even in a game by game basis you know I've not planned all that out yet but that's the where I would see the chunks of my game if you were to take a bite out of that sandwich that would be the four bites that you've got um does that make sense? Does that sound insane? Because we didn't prepare any of this. I just said this is what I would like to talk about. Yeah, yeah. So basically, regardless of how many 
acts or parts or whatever, whatever you've got. The long and the short is you need a setup, you need a crisis or a problem, and then you need a resolution at its most basic form that's going to help get you through. And you need those broad stroke events. And again, you can then further break them down to suit yourself. And rather than blocking out, as Jordan thinks about it, through, again, your job and other things as much as anything, you know, it's it's your roadmap, it's your guide, it's your, your point A to your point B to your point C till you get to wherever it is you're going. And that's, that's basically all it is. Exactly. Makes sense to me. Yeah, so the point is, it's a good way to look at it. So, but one thing as well, sometimes games don't always fall into that. So if you if you do run a game, it doesn't maybe quite fit that criteria, because most games I do now do have that now. Even if it's not yeah. a it's like starting the story and finishing it by the end of the game, mm-hmm. but there's going to be ways you can break all that down. It's just getting those little chunks in. Norm, think of it just like if you can make a bullet point for that sequence, what would it be? Yeah. And that's and what you should be able to do is take that cup two, three, four sequence, whatever it is, bullet points, and that should paint the picture for that part of the story. Yeah. Specifically, the game you're running that night, um, mm-hmm. and the reason for that is it even I don't even know what's going to happen on Friday with that game, you know, but I do know that that's the four key parts of the game that I'll be running. So mm-hmm. what that means is when I'm doing my prep, which is going to take me ten minutes, I'm going to be like. I wish I'd prep more. I do it every week, and I'm like, oh, I wish I'd done more prep. And then I go, well, I didn't have time. Who cares? But so that means what I know is I can find ways to make that little piece interesting. What is it that people gain from each one of these tiny little sequences? Um, at the start, I talked about going to the town. They're going to go. They've been told bad things about the town, but the thing they'll discover is actually the town's friendly. That's weird, and now, but they've just realised. Um, they actually started this last time but uh, it was weird because all the townspeople knew their names so there's stuff so the whole point of sequence one is actually going to be they've realised something's wrong like really wrong in this town mm-hmm. the second one's going to be they're going to realise they're bad the third one so that's like the kind of reveal for each little sequence mm-hmm. I've got and if you boil it down it's really just evil town you want to get out and survive it but for the players because they're going to be running through that each sequence they go through, it's almost like they're going to earn a bit of info or something, uh, or a reveal, or they're going to get an item, whatever it is. There's a they're rewarded for each sequence they actually manage to survive through, and I think that's something that particularly the guy that runs the dwarf game, I think that's probably something as brutal as the last set was with the big siege. There was stuff happening in there that we were learning something or there was something we could hold on to. Like, I, I killed one, one of the other characters. Uh, I think you died at one bit and in the next game I killed the other char- player character because I didn't trust him and stuff in the game. Um, I think that was the... <laughs> that was the finale followed by the encore in that, that particular game. Yeah, so, but that's yeah. but that's just like that. There was little bits, each little game we had, there was a couple, at least a couple different things that we took away from that. Like, it wasn't even big plot points, some of it. They're big mm-hmm. plot points, but not all, all of it needs to be like that. For my players, we actually ended on the, the weird town thing. And, but they're now kind of, they're coming in like suspicious and stuff. And so that was the thing they got with that. It was, their sub- expectations were changed when they actually seen they were friendly, but they were switched back again when they realised, oh, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. So stuff like that is the, the main thing that I'm talking about when I talk about sequences. I really hope that makes sense, but maybe my brain's all messed up and that's why it doesn't. Um, but the sequences are really important. I just think it's a good way to think about it. And it's not super complicated. It's just more in a campaign setting. It's like you've got your key events that you can break in however you want. But regardless of the events, the event might not be one game. It might be four games. Mm-hmm. But regardless of all of that, it's about looking at the current game you're going to do because you're going to be preparing. What will they probably do tonight? Even if they don't probably follow it, mm-hmm. you can certainly go. Well, what? What if we were to stop an hour in? What, what would happen? How could I make that a good stopping point? You know. And look at it that way and see what they earn throughout the the different sections of the game you're running that night. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's my main thing for that because it just it's almost like a footnote in your mind for each part. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I've been picking up a lot of that um, dwarf, the guys running the dwarf game, yeah, uh, his games because there's no excuse. I'm terrible with remembering games. Mm-hmm. There is absolutely no reason that 
I should remember the stuff I've remembered in that. And it's the same thing with my players with the Chariot of the Gods. We took about four, five, six months between Act 2 and Act 3. Like mm-hmm. the, It's organised in Acts, but we had a break. Sorry, it was the end of Act 1, and we started, got in the middle of Act 2, and we took about three, four, five, six months. And when we actually went back to play it, it was... Um, they knew it. They they recited the whole thing to me, mm-hmm. and I'd ran that about four times between when they played it and and took a break and they played it again. So I mean, I had no idea what what they'd actually done because everybody it's different. So, but what I learned through running that with them, even though they only really did Act One, they had they had a little the hook at the start, and then the next part was seeing that there was like brutal violence and like people shooting their own brains out with shotguns and stuff. Then they realised that there was an infection on board. There was like spores. Then they, they actually went to repair it, and they realised they released an infection. So these were all tiny little sequences in the one game we played that was easy for them to pick up on because it was something key that even if it wasn't dr- immediately important or dramatic, they once they started the ball rolling with it, they were going, "Oh yeah." And then we went to the events and seen there were spores that um, when I was repairing it, it burst. And that's when the life support systems came up and they, they've kind of made their A to Z trail or the mm-hmm. join the dots that, that they made. So, yeah, that's what I'll say. I'll maybe stop there on uh, sequences. But any any questions, actually, with what I've said there, it does, if there is any, it doesn't make sense? No, I mean, so it, 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 it all, all makes sense. And, like, again, just sort of picking up a wee bit on what you're saying, like, from when you're coming up with the sequences as well, you mentioned about like like the different parts running over different games. Mm-hmm. One thing to watch out for I would say is that if like the first game is the, the setup, the second game is the crisis or whatever, and then as as you're going through that crisis that's going on from game two to three to four to five to and it's the same problem that you haven't got any resolution to that the players can start to lose that connection because it's it can potentially start to become the never-ending problem. Whereas if they're dealing with the ultimate goal, but within that there's mini crises that are happening that then gives you a new setup, problem, resolution to continue on that journey, then that'll help kind of knock that in the head that's interesting actually I like that way of looking at it so not every sequence I've got has a problem you know resolution like that arc mm-hmm. in there uh, specifically just when I talk about the sequences um, mm-hmm. just for those listening it's like your games you might you might still be you know us doing like uh, the big siege uh, the mm-hmm. dwarf game that went on a couple of games or something or three or four games whatever it was so we never got to start, middle and end of that whole kind of block or arc of that game. Mm-hmm. But each game, it's literally each game that you run, the way I look at it is what do people get? Where's the, what's the key things that they get from it? And what that does for me is it actually helps me, if I do mm-hmm. run things on too long, it actually lets me go, right, so it helps me redirect things if I feel like I'm dragging and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a good point that um, it's worth thinking about, especially when you're making your sequences. I'm always thinking, how do I give people something Mm-hmm. Um, as part of this game what's the key things that they earn during it and that actually helps me break things up it also helps me do pauses in the game so that people can go out mm-hmm. for cigarette breaks um, but it also lets me so stuff like that as well Like any small breaks mm-hmm. like I, I can plan everything around that yeah. so little sequences in the game you're running regardless of even the overall story I probably brought in too much when I was talking about sequences but um, it's just about looking at the game you're just a bit of run and mm-hmm. take take it out and see like, what's the little chunks that what's like the little bites that people will get out of this mm-hmm. um, and it's actually that what you've mentioned yeah. there it's doing that's actually helped me avoid mm-hmm. dragging things on too long and not resolving well, things that maybe should have been resolved well again with that kind of siege sequence I felt personally I don't know how you felt about it that it was the same problem that was carrying on and that mm-hmm. at no point did I feel that we had to do much kind of crisis management of I know the big <laughs> the big major ultimate problem is that you know your 
trapped in a place that you don't see a way out of and that you're probably going to die. Mm-hmm. But do you know what? This has just sprung up and this is now more important to deal with because I won't be able to even think about worrying about that because this is potentially going to kill us or trap us or, you know, what whatever the thing is that didn't feel like there was the crisis management part getting engaged much and it didn't feel like there was a lot of kind of juggling that you had to do it just was the main problem that kind of felt that it was rolling on that's interesting because one of the things I found that I did early on was I always had the vision in my head like this is what I want even I did events like I was like oh here's all the key events in the story but they were, they were so abstract um, and it's only over the last year where I've actually broke it down. Like, what's going to make this game good for people? Like, what are people getting every hour or so? Because if I'm going to do a game, this is maybe in part why I'm a bit, like, done or bored with D&D combat, because mm-hmm. it goes on so damn long. Yeah. And in my opinion, if I've got an hour and a half, two hours, and there's not something players get as a result of that, then I'm kind of like, maybe I need to clear up my story. Maybe I need to figure out that thing. And maybe with looking at each on a game by game basis when mm-hmm. we were doing the seas, it's actually a case of going, so what what's the new piece that people are getting at each, like each part of this? Like maybe is there is there any reveals? Is it just one? Is the whole game just one big sequence, which is fair enough? Or is there more to it? I find the more sequences there are, you don't want too many, but you want a couple at least in your game. Cause think of it like that's the bookmarks, how many bookmarks in that one game there is. And the alien game we did lasted two and a half hours it wasn't even long with my pals and then we had months away and they were like coming back and they knew everything no one took a damn note in that game and everybody was drunk off their ass as well so and everybody remembered it including myself even though I'd run it four times before mm. they, they got to play it again so sequences really really good way to do it the way to do it think of it like building blocks if you have your main story and you've got whatever it is look at your game and put your draw boxes on your paper and go what is it what is the things that you can give to your players your currency almost in, in terms of storytelling mm-hmm. um, I just find that better than trying to write stuff I'm not a writer um, you know so it, I'm not going to waste my time trying to write a full story most of my bullet points would scare the hell out of some of the GMs I know um, but the game seemed to go okay and it's mm-hmm. because I look at them in sequences I guess yeah but I, and again with that although you're talking about a lack of prep and a lack of notes and a lack of this and that and whatever there's still a clear direction that it's moving in it's never like people are turning up and you're literally making it up right there and then Yeah, you're going well I know this is where everybody is starting off from uh-huh. I know that eventually through whatever route we're going to end up at this point here and it's a, a phrase that somebody said to me ages and ages back which is start right, end right and it doesn't matter what happens in the middle mm-hmm. and ultimately that's it because if the start point is, is right and inverted commas correct and if the end point is right, correct, then whatever journey has happened in between that must have been right because by the end of it, you've got to where you were supposed to be. You've done what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So, and and that's, to me, what you're talking about, although the notes and that aren't there, you've, you've still got something that's driving you towards that path. You're prepared to be flexible, you're prepared to move, and you're not being rigid, but, it's, it's never going to derail, it's never going to... Players aren't going to feel like, you know, they're not getting anything or that you've not invested time in them and because you have a plan. Albeit very brief and it can fit in the back of an envelope. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's still there, there's start, still a plan. Start the end rate is kind of interesting because I think depending on your game, that probably, because speaking about things being rememberable, that's probably not really enough because then players don't know because they're speaking about four or five hour period in some cases. Mm-hmm. But I think that depends on the game and depending on how you're doing your sequences, to be honest, if you start and end right, that's all you need because remembering the start will knock on to the other little things. Yeah. If you've done clear, like clear sequences that, that they end in a way that's a clear image in someone's head, if you think of it like a 
like a picture of if you were to a picture tells a thousand words type thing. Mm-hmm. If you almost had a snapshot of what that first hour of the game is, players are going to just all the bits will start to connect for them. Mm-hmm. I've got a wee trick for that too to help stir people's minds who forget to. But I'll talk about that another time. Um, but yeah, and I think the thing that so my last thing then so it's um, hook is the first one. Mm-hmm. The second thing is block out your games. I know I was going all grand. This is talking about abstract and bringing it in. But let's just get get to brass tacks. Look at the game you're going to run that night and look at what the sequences are going to be. The chances are they will change. But I think the reason I remember a lot of my games now, and I think particularly the, the GM that runs the Dwarf game, um, is because I'm not trying to remember the details. I, don't, I know it's going to be hard to remember it. I'm going to rely on my own ability to just pick up the pieces when we're talking about it. Because I will, I just need my memory jogged. But my sequences in all my games now are just simple concepts to remember. That's it. And it means if they change, then I can, I can if I need to alter it, and maybe I do need to wing it in a game, but at least I can summarise that sequence in my, in my head. Like mm-hmm. the last game, everybody had sex at the end. But I went, all right, cool, that's the last sequence done. Like, I, said, I don't need to remember the details. I don't need to know who went off with who and who role-played and who failed their, their performance checks. I don't I don't care about all that. I just know they all went for it at the end, like a bunch of animals. And it was fun and they had a laugh. But that's what I mean. It's like simple abstract, uh, simple... Um, it's almost like pictures in my head rather than actually being lore, details and scrolls of lore. Um, but so that's the second one the last one then for me is um, hold on I can't actually remember exactly what I get the word right oh it's just determining the end and that's right and this is a follow on from the sequences yeah um, because a nice way to look at the sequences is if you run out of time at the end of a night one of my big pet peeves with games is when somebody says I will be done for a living and then I'm still sitting there at flaming quarter to twelve and I will like, I don't do this any, don't don't do that anymore like I'm not identifying that bad I might hang about a bit later but I don't I'm not going to sit and wait an hour after because I'm busy like and it's just you know, I'm up early for work and things so it just it really bugs me whereas the games I do they generally stop when I say they're going to stop but that's because I know the sequences and if we don't get quite to the next one then. You know, worst case scenario, maybe it's not a good ending, but you can just finish the end of that sequence. You'll just mm-hmm. know in your head that you never quite reached the end, and you know you got to, um, like some of my players last time. I thought they would actually get into the the spooky town that I was talking about that they're investigating in that big campaign. They actually only got to visiting the town, but I now know. Okay, they got to that sequence, the end of that sequence, cool, mm-hmm. done, uh, and now I know what to do next time. I mean, I don't even need to prep the game. I know I don't, because I know exactly what's going to happen now. So, yeah, yeah, it's just determining an ending, I think, is a good one. And sequences is going to be, like, the big way to bolster that. Um, Because if you end in something that's... They gain something from it. They gain knowledge. There's maybe a subversion of expectations. Maybe the last sequence is a fight. Um, Maybe it's just a role-play scenario that's just about laughing and having fun. Whatever it is, whatever the players get almost is like a memory or like a reward for doing it. That's going to give you an ending that people will, it will be easy for them to pick that start point with a hook and hopefully they'll remember that end point because it should be something, maybe not necessarily good, but something that sticks out Mm -hmm. just in their head, whether it's just they picture it better than other bits, that's something that they can do. And then for you as a GM, it's very easy to go, right, what happened last time? Right, okay, that was the ending point. Um, the only times I've not had that is things like published games like Curse of Strad, and it's vastly more complicated. But even then, you do start mm-hmm. to talk about it. You can remember these sequences she's done again. So, yeah, yeah I think that's all I was saying. That. I don't want to labour that. The sequences was the hard one because mm-hmm. I'm trying to describe it and I realise I've, I've not thought about it until now. So Yeah, yeah. And again, like, knowing what your ending is going to be again to me like if you're coming up with a game or whatever knowing what the end point's going to be makes it easier to figure out what the motivation's going to be which then lets you figure out how to connect those two points together so I get you can make an argument for anything but I think having the ending solid is 
probably one of the most important ones to look at because you know it's like if you imagine climbing a mountain or something you get to the top of it and it's misty and you can't see anything you know it's the 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 letdown of that you've put in all that effort to get to a point where you can't see anything yeah Yeah. it's total anti-climax and you get to the top and you go what was the point in that you know so that's that's the thing you always want a player at the end to either feel like they've achieved something they're shocked they're surprised they're overjoyed they're you know whatever it is happens but again that's that's going to be the biggest thing that's going to that I think is going to resonate with them and then that's going to help them to remember because again like we are talking about from if they can remember the start mm-hmm. and the end then they've got the two key points to then piece everything together with so mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. That's true. I like that that's the thing so the thing with the sequences as well one thing I do and I'm okay with doing it I do it all the time actually where normally I'll run a game for three hours max. I don't want, usually want to run it much more than that. Mm. Um, now, more often than not, I'll actually stop early than actually do three hours because I just find the stopping point isn't as good. Uh, what normally happens is you have a starting point and end point and then you never get to that flaming end point in, when you're running the game, depending who you're with. For the most part, we actually do. Mm-hmm. Um, in the games that I run anyway with other folk, we usually get to the point I think we would. So... Yeah, so you might find you're coming to a point where you're going, I I think it's going to take another another hour before we get to that, whatever the big dramatic end point is. But mm-hmm. if you've planned out these little sequences and people are getting wee pieces, it's almost like the breadcrumbs. Yeah. They're getting a breadcrumb at each step along the way. You can actually opt to finish at the end of a sequence. You might finish 20 minutes early, mm. but a sequence that, okay, they gained a wee thing. It's a little prompt for next time. And they've almost got a hook for the next game because I've not quite finished that um, yeah. kind of arc of games, or uh, uh, they've not quite finished that arc that you had intended for the game. So the the actual end of that sequence, it's almost like a broken ending that feeds mm-hmm. into a new hook for the next game. And that happens a lot. I mean, I mean, not so much now, with, but I think I've just become better at pacing yeah. more than I have in the past. But that's where I'll finish games early. Um, well, mm-hmm. I finished, I think, the Strange Islands ones up a bit early, actually, when we done it, so there was something that went... Oh, I went vastly wrong, that's right, you guys fought the guards, that was a disaster. <laughs> um, for me, it was a disaster, I mean, because I'm just like... This wasn't supposed to happen. This, this is really not... This, I mean, good thing that I did... Anyway. Um, so that's where the sequences can really help. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily your ending will be as good, but the way to look at it is, oh, well, next game's ending is going to be mm-hmm. even better, or the next game is going to be even more dramatic now because you're going to have the big event ready, either as the hook for the start or near the start of the next game, or depending how slow it is, it might be the end or it might happen in the middle as like a big mm-hmm. um, peak during the game and then you might uh, have an idea to wrap up. But um, yeah, so that's what I would say because um, certainly yeah. you're absolutely right it's important even it's not even talking about wrapping up a big story. It's just even in a game by game basis, having a clear start and end point. Yeah, that's like your first and last sequence. Um, but having little kind of bookmarks in between, or little thing like a breadcrumb mm-hmm. um, for each little piece that you want to give the players, um, it means that you you can now be flexible to them. You don't need to force them into doing stuff. You don't need to totally rush them along. It is worth pushing people to actually flame and make decisions because sometimes people yeah. get analysis paralysis. But it lets you be flexible. Mm-hmm. And by the way, what that also means is see if they, the players screw your plans up, like what happened with Strange Aeons, it lets you try and it gives you a bit of time to think on your feet. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you might need to change your sequences, because cha- basically sometimes players do stuff that means this ending you had is impossible to happen unless yeah. you retcon stuff. And I recommend not retconning as best you can. It helps with their improvis- improvisation muscles. But it also lets the players actually have agency in what's happening. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that, that's basically it. It's determining your ending. So that's my three things. Is there any closing thoughts that you have <clears> before? No, I, again, everything all ties in, and I pretty much agree with everything you've said. Um, but one one thing I would kind of say is that 
you know, whatever you want to call it, motivation, problem, like resolution, whatever you want to call that. Like when you're first designing the game and thinking about it, you know, get that with as broad a brushstroke as you can and then drop it down and give it a bit more detail. Not too much, again, figure out what that is and continue to do that until you're at a point that you're happy with and then naturally all those different sequences will start to appear but also you've got a better idea of as you're working your way through it with the players where the different endings will be because like you were saying that you might start out and you might be planning to go from the introduction to sequence A, B, C, D and then the big finale but you only get sequence A and B done well what it means is for the next time that your introduction, your motivation is everything that you've done from A and B and everything that's just happened to you which then means that your your um, your problem solving part that you need to resolve is still sequences C and D to then get to your end. Get to the end. Yeah. That's to- that's totally the way to look at it, and that makes me think it might be worth something. I've not got anything ready to to try this, mm-hmm. but maybe one time we're doing this, uh, the podcast. I mean, we look at some of my notes, so I need to take notes of what I think will happen, and I'll need to then compare it against what, what actually, actually happened. happened. Yeah, but I think but that'd be an interesting exercise because, I mean, like I think the bottom line. I keep talking about sequences, but you see your game, you're going to run compound it into bullet points that's basically what I'm talking about Yeah. Um, and by the way if you find that a lot of the time your sequences you're never getting to if you plan four things sorry you said A, B, C, D, E yeah, if you yeah. plan five or six different things in one game as sequences one that's probably way too much I would say that right now but if you find you're frequently never reaching that point then you know what to do is bring that amount down and it helps you actually figure out what your, the pacing mm-hmm. is for your games and some groups are faster or some, or some are less some game systems actually allow players well, to achieve stuff faster. The other thing to point out, just whilst it's popped yeah. in my head, if, like Jordan's saying, if you've got five or six things thought out, but you're not managing to hit, tick all those boxes off, then you're probably thinking in like campaign mode rather mm-hmm. than game mode or mm-hmm. one shot mode or whatever. The fact that you've got those points. So rather than instantly going, all right, okay, well, I need to bin that and then drop it down keep your five or six points just draw a line through the middle of it and go yeah. I'm only going to get three done and then another three done and then that's a two part that's that's a exactly two, a two shot rather than a one shot yeah I mean I've said before I think I've said before but I've told you <laughs> before I often write my games like one shots now that doesn't mean there's a great start and end point but there's enough to connect the other one shots that are run mm-hmm. Especially if we take breaks, I want to make sure that somebody can summarise what happened last game if they've taken a you know seven or eight week break. And most of the time, actually, that does happen now. So, but what that does, what Jamie's saying there about just putting a line through something, if you, you find you're not meeting it, look at how many, on average, of your little sequences you've, you've kind of planned out that you are getting through. And mm-hmm. what it do is actually, you can even take some of your future games you're planning and just focus on those three because mm-hmm. that will allow you to flesh things out and it also lets you think of contingency plans um, which you need. I was thinking of my feet with strange aeons when they killed, uh, they instantly attacked some of the, the, the guards. If you've played strange aeons, those guards at the barricade, it's one of the first people you come against that are not hostile. Instantly, it wasn't you, but instantly the party started assaulting them and I'm going... Oh my god, this is all super. If these, if they're, if they're aggressive with these guys, they're not making it because there's a lot of them. I don't know mm. if you've seen how many there, um, but yeah. But the thing is, I knew that a sequence would be going and doing this. I knew that they would then be seeing the little rat person. Um, mm-hmm. There was a whole stuff at the start, but um, so it meant. Now it did totally. I was thinking big time. I'm like, I'm screwed. But I went right. Let's deal with it first in this. So mm-hmm. and then I dealt with it. How did we resolve this? And what's good, ultimately, with thinking in sequences, it does let you be flexible. Yeah. For example, I tried to drug players in a game, in a game, um, in a Call of Cthulhu game, because there was guys after them and stuff, and they never accepted any food or drink. And I went, well, that totally screws my plans, mm-hmm. but because I knew that the sequence was they had to get poisoned, to, not to make them pass out, but to get them poisoned so they were sick and then they were thinking something else was going mm-hmm. on, 
Um, but it allowed me, while they refused all the, the drinks and the food that they were getting offered, I actually decided that somebody was going to prick them with a poison, mm-hmm. with the, the drug in it. So the sequence was actually the same. It was just the circumstance to reach the sequence yeah. was different. It was narratively appropriate, mm-hmm. but it also meant that I could get things happening without railroading people. Um, and because they thought creatively, I only had one of them get mm-hmm. sick. So yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it helps with things like that too. So I think that's I think that's me. I'll tie off there because I can mm. talk ages for examples, yeah. but I don't want to do that. Yeah, a wee micro point there as well. Like, although we've been talking about this from a kind of like story point of view, mm-hmm. and you know how you would design a campaign or you know that sort of a thing. If you end up with a problem like Jordan had as well, then it's really easy for people to panic and kind of try and, and not try sorry and, and find difficulty in you know averting a crisis that's coming mm-hmm. up but using that kind of overall concept of look at what's going on identify the problem and then think about what the resolution is if something gets you know if you get thrown a curveball then if you figure out each of those just, steps I just go then it'll step help one. you come yeah. up with whatever the solution's going to be yeah totally because you see with that strange aliens at that end of that sequence mm-hmm. if I want to call it that was um, to be invited into the, the chapel that, yeah. that was the end of that sequence and I went well Christ either they start a fight with the chapel or they get invited in so I had to go well narratively to make this work see if it was my own game I would have probably just had you mm-hmm. fight in my own because it's a homebrew and you can, it's more, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can be more yeah. flexible but with that game, it's very important because otherwise a lot of bad stuff. And mm-hmm. I can't go into it because I'll spoil it for you. But um, but I knew that... But I just had to think on my feet now. I worked yeah. out... I can't remember how it worked out, but he's ended up negotiating. I think they maybe deferred to you at some point. I can't remember exactly how it was. He's actually skipped a whole bunch of stuff because you've done that. That's not bad, though. Mm-hmm. Um, it's stuff you can pick up later or yeah, you don't yeah. even need to do now. Um, so... Yeah, it lets. It, it, I knew that that sequence that I needed it to end like that yeah. for, because it was published like that. But eh, and I wasn't interested in homebrewing it. And I but so the actually the sequence was still the same. It was just the circumstance was different. And yeah. actually, you've made reparations very well. Hopefully, you felt it was realistic. But based on what's going on, actually, it made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the lo- the love was not lost uh, in the end. So. But yeah, okay, I think that's it from us then. So that's just how to make games more memorable. We've got another episode that we want to do in this that can enhance everything we've spoke about. We'll probably go into a wee bit more detail mm-hmm. about what we mean, maybe reiterate it and make sure it makes sense. Yeah. But there's little tips, tricks and kind of strategies that I use. I've alluded to a couple already, but I'll go into a bit more detail and provide some examples why that is. Mm-hmm. But the three main things here basically was deciding on a good motivation to start on which I suppose is your first sequence, uh, and then blocking mm-hmm. out your game, the the game that you're running on the night, forgetting like the overarching thing, if you're running four games, it doesn't matter. Focus on the game you're running that night first, and mm-hmm. t- put that into little blocks of sequences that you can use. The hook is going to be the first sequence, and the third thing was uh, having a good, um, what's the word? Uh, just a good kind of ending um, yeah. to, just to wrap it up with which I suppose is just you could, the, the good hooks the starting sequence the good endings the final sequence and then you can work out the stuff in the middle but make sure each sequence people are getting something as a, yeah. as a result of playing it it doesn't necessarily have to be good it could be player character death it could be NPC death it could be bad <clears> but have something because that's the prompts that people will remember and if they remember those little bullet points, they'll, they'll probably start to remember all the things around it that made the bullet points happen in the first place. Yeah. So that's everything. Yeah, so I think that's everything from us. And like I said at the start, just to ask you the question again, I would love to hear how your games, are you keeping top of your games, whether mm-hmm. you're running or playing them? And with what we've said in mind, it'd be interesting to see if you pick up, if you're doing some of the stuff we've spoke about too. Because I don't think any of it's rocket science. I just think I see a lot of people showing these traits when they run games certainly some of the guys that have recently they're new to running games in my other group that have encouraged to run games I'm seeing they've picked up some of the stuff that I've done naturally um, obviously that helps it, it kind of supports the way that they think too but I would love to hear it from your perspective as well yeah yeah and again it's always interesting for me when it comes to 
like people remembering stuff because I know that I need to take notes to do that, but I'm I'm pretty bad at doing that and taking notes and things. So <clears throat> me anyway, I'm very interested to see what comes back. So yeah, I barely even take notes these days. So you know what I mean. So and I, I feel like I'm getting on okay. But um, so yeah. Well, anyway, that's it from us. Thanks for listening and or watching wherever it is you're doing that. And it's goodbye from me. And me as well. Thank you.